The year is 1955, and young Marlon Brando has just won an Oscar for *On the Waterfront*. He gives an interview, a long interview on a television show, and he's sitting in his home in Beverly Hills. And Brando's giddy; he just won an Oscar, and things are going in the right direction. He even makes a joke on the show, asking the interviewer. What's a good time for a Chinaman to go to the dentist? And the interviewer says, "I don't know, Brando. What is a good time for a Chinaman to go to the dentist?" And Brando says, "Two thirty. Two thirty. He's having fun." And then the interviewer says, "It looks like you have someone with you there. Who is that? Is that your dad?" And Brando says, "Yeah, that's that's my pop. Hey, pop, come on down." And Brando explains that his dad is a little shy about the camera. A cute little moment. And then we see Mr. Brando coming down the stairs and sitting down to say a few words about his son. And this is very interesting. And I'm going to play for you that clip right now. Give a listen to this. Marlon, I know your dad's in town tonight. Is、uh, he hiding out somewhere? Well, he's up behind the、uh, the wall, quaking with fear, never having been on television. I'll get him in here. Pop, come on out. Don't fall down the stairs. With... Now we'll ask Mr. Brando some questions about his son, and I'm sure we'll get、uh, the blunt and direct answers. Good evening, Mr. Brando. Good evening, Mr. Morrow. I imagine you're just a bit proud of your son right now, aren't you? Well. As an actor, not too proud, but as a man, why quite proud? Mr. Brando, tell me this:、uh, was he hard to handle as a child? I think he had the usual、uh, childhood traits. I think he had probably a little more trouble with his parents than most children do. You mean、uh, bringing them up properly?、Uh, what was that? You mean bringing his parents up properly?、Uh-huh. <laughs> Training them in the way they should go. Yes,、uh, Marlon. In the interests of justice and fairness, would you like thirty seconds to defend yourself? Well, I really don't feel I need to defend myself. I can lick this guy with one hand, so、uh, <laughs> let it go. Tell me. Ouch! <laughs> can you feel the tension? It's thick. It's thick. Back in 1955, you can feel the tension. Between Bud Brando, Marlon Jr., and his dad, Marlon Sr., he was a tough guy. The interviewer asks, "Mr. Brando, I feel you're pretty、uh, proud of your son, right?" And what does he say? Oh, not so much as an actor, but as a man. And what does that mean? Tell you what it means. Senior Brando wasn't too fond of his son being an actor, and I've mentioned this before. It's a silly life. It's not a man's work. And Mr. Brando felt this way. And his son, feeling that, I'm sure he got that all the time from his dad. Although his dad did say he was proud of him. As a man, speaks volumes, and why does it speak volumes? Because his son was starting to make a lot of money, and making a lot of money is what Senior Brando was all about. He wanted to make money. He was a businessman, a salesman, and he worked hard to make money. He felt. And this is Brando's dad. Felt that if he did well in business, it meant that he was a man, a man among boys, making it, doing it right, making the buck. That's what it was all about. Because his dad had low self-esteem, and it spawned in his childhood. So his son making money. Was a good thing, <laughs> and uh, uh, young in his career, Mr. Brando was starting to make money. He did stage work that was very successful and was bringing in paychecks 
doing Broadway shows that were quite ludicrous back in the 50s. And he would send part of his paycheck to his father. Think about that. Brando in his early 20s was sending part of his paycheck to his father. Hmm. And Bud actually liked doing this. Marlon Brando Jr. would actually get a kick out of sending his father money. Mr. Brando the dad had a way of pushing buttons with his son. He would uh, berate him. Tell him he was nothing. A nobody. Worthless. But when uh, he started making some bank. (laughs) I mean Marlon Sr. was still an asshole. Of course. Because he was just an asshole. But at least Bud was making some money. And Marlon feeling I'm making all this money. And I'm giving money to my dad. This dick. (laughs) It was sort of a fuck you. To his father. I played that clip. And my uh, analysis. Of just those little. I don't know. 30 seconds to a minute. Of dialogue. Back in 1955. Really does explain. The makeup. The. It factor in regards to what made Brando tick. You got to go way back in time. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to call it the Brando Redux. And in this episode, episode 100, we made it 100, a big deal. So today, in the actor's room, a show that started talking about Marlon Brando. We're going to dive deeper into this actor, an actor that changed the art form forever. And in doing so, we got to talk about the early stuff, the beginning, his childhood. And in my previous shows, talking about Marlon, I Briefly just brushed over when he was born and uh, his parents here a little bit and uh, this and that. And I want to talk more about his upbringing, uh, how he may have felt, uh, what were his sisters like, things like that. So here we go. He grew up in Nebraska. He was born in Nebraska and he grew up on a farm. And for this, he liked. Brando loved animals. Loved them. I think he loved animals more than people. (laughs) That might be true. Because an animal gives you so much love. And that's all they do. Is that they... It's innocent. It's free. And you don't have to worry about this animal hurting you inside. Because that's just the way an animal is. This, this love, it's never ending. And a Brando could love the animal. And the animal will love back. And will love him forever. <laughs> until they die. Or he dies. Whatever. So Brando identified with animals. Um, he not only loved them. But he would encompass their being. He would uh, mimic them, uh, study them, admire them, and bring that into his world. Uh, he shared the, the, his world with animals. And if you do know about Brando, you will find that he speaks very fondly of every single pet that he ever had. Um, A wide variety of pets, raccoons, uh, dogs, cats, uh, many different sorts of animals. I mean, he grew up on a farm. He'd milk cows, uh, take care of things, uh, doing chores. 
he actually enjoyed doing those things. And it's a fact. It will play into the importance of his childhood. Because he had to break away from his hurt. His mother and father, both of them, were pretty hardcore alcoholics. Um, I believe the mom, Dodie, Brando's mother, Dodie, drank all day. And when that occurs, the family structure completely breaks down. Um, back then, especially. Because if you got the dad, who's the alcoholic, drinking all day or all night, uh, but holds a job. He's out working, uh, coming home, eating dinner, uh, drinking all night, okay, and completely ignoring his family. Uh, but if the mom is around, at least the kid's got a little bit of structure. That didn't happen here with a young Marlin. His mom drank and she drank a lot. This affected the household. So now everything is skewed, different. Drinking is more important than everything else, like a drug. Same for alcohol. So when both parents are drinking a lot, and I think Dodie, the mother, drank more than the dad. The dad drank too. Okay, With business trips, it was part of the way of life. You went on business trips like the dad did, and he drank with his customers, making the deal. And it's just sort of continued when he was home. Uh, Brando's father was domineering. He yelled a lot. He wanted structure in the home. And it just wasn't happening. The mother, she didn't want to do housework. She wanted to drink. And she wanted to act. Mrs. Brando loved acting. It was her life besides drinking. She loved her kids, yes. But acting and drinking were the two most important things in her life. Uh, And also socializing. She was a butterfly. The dad wasn't. He liked to drink. He liked to smoke. And he liked to stay home. For the most part. He wanted to work. He worked sometimes seven days a week. Hardly ever home. And when he was home, he was just a pain in the ass. At least the mom was fun. She let the kids do whatever they wanted. (laughs) Bud and his sisters were able to just... Do whatever they wanted for most part. Okay. They just left the house in the morning in the summer. And didn't come home until nighttime. Dodie just didn't give a shit. She loved her kids. But she had agendas. But the father would come home and want things done. Dinner on the table. The house cleaned. And most of the time that didn't happen. (laughs) Bud's childhood was scattered. Shattered. A mess. Um, no structure. Mom could be off somewhere. Uh, at the theater, with her friends, socializing. And the dad would be on business trips. Sometimes wouldn't come home till late. Sometimes wouldn't come home at all. And the kids are left to just be on their own. And one fact that always seems to come up in my head. Thinking of his childhood. Is that sometimes the parents would be gone. And we're talking about a young Marlin. Four. Five years old. Wakes up in the morning. Nobody's around. Mind you his sisters were older. He had two older sisters. And they would take care of him too. But sometimes. They weren't available. And little Bud Brando. At the age of four or five. Would go downstairs, see nobody was around, and was hungry. The parents made a, a point to put the peanut butter low enough so little Bud could get it and feed himself. That's how that house operated. They would eventually move out to Illinois later in Bud's young life. And the bullshit continued. Um, And when you have two alcoholic parents, there's a lot of fights. Mr. and Mrs. Brando would fight a lot. Beer bottles thrown across the room. Nasty things said to each other. 
And the kids witnessed this. Saw it. Felt it. Just not good for any kid to be around. Mrs. Brando would forget to give the kids uh, lunch money in the morning. She'd be hungover. And she would be uh, going up to the school around lunchtime to give money to the secretary at the school. And they would say, Mrs. Brando, why don't you just give this money to your kids in the morning? Because she couldn't. She was hungover. She was asleep. So the kids had to take care of themselves in the morning. This is very sad stuff. And when I think about that stuff, because for me, I can't wrap my head around it. I take great pride in being a good parent. And I was lucky that my parents uh, were amazing parents. They were there for me in the morning. They made me breakfast. They made my lunch and put it in a little bag. And were there for me when I got home from school. Little Bud Brando, little Marlon Brando didn't have that. He couldn't rely on his parents being home when he got done with school. He didn't have that structure that a kid needs to form the right way. Marlon's family also was very progressive, especially the mom's side. Uh, A lot of philosophical talk. A lot of interesting reading. Um, They were very artistic on that side of the family. The dad, none of that. He didn't get any of that artistic stuff from his dad. Got it all from his mom. And that side of the family, um, like I said, I think they delved into a lot of different aspects of art. Through books, music, and other things as well. This will influence Bud. And I'll tell you why. Because there was culture a bit in the arts. So this sparked interest... In that way of life. uh, And to express his feelings. Because you got the mom. Interested in theater. And she was an actress. Bud saw that. I don't know how he felt about it at that time. I think he liked it. And was interested to know about it. But he didn't show it. He didn't want people to see his interest. And why would he do that? That's a defensive mechanism. If you show anybody uh, a certain vulnerability because him thinking acting was uh, cool, hip, (laughs) or whatever they said back in the 30s and 40s, uh, that would be vulnerability. And there's no way in hell that a young Brando was going to show any boy or girl when he was younger that he liked acting. I think he was interested in it at a young age because his mom liked it. Bud was a tough kid. He would get in fights a lot in school. Uh, He would defend younger kids that were smaller. Thought that was cute. Found that out. Uh, Good looking kid, even at a young age when he was a toddler. Um, There are stories that he would watch uh, a neighbor's across the street. And little Bud would go up to their doors, knock on them. And the neighbors would open the door and see this little kid with these droopy eyes saying, can I please come in? They'd let him in and he would just stand there and watch the moms, the wives do things around the house like laundry and uh, cleaning the house. And little Bud would just stand there and watch them. And then eventually lunchtime would come around and the neighbor would say, "Uh, do you want me to make you some lunch, bud? And he'd say, yeah. And he had lunch with the neighbors. This would be a common theme in young Brando's life. He would sort of take in uh, other families, okay, or they would take him in. He wanted to be a part of that because he didn't have that. He was fascinated by that and bitter that he couldn't have that. Um, I find that the family structure in a young person's life is so vital, so important uh, 
It molds them. And instead of a young Marlon Brando growing up in a house that had structure, um, instability, that it crippled him in his progression as a man, as a boy or and a man. There are neighbors that said they would see Marlon Brando at a young age walk down his steps in the house with uh, like a, a woman's clothing. I'm not talking about like uh, high heels or anything, but he would wear his mother's like uh, robes, um, <laughs> things like that. Uh, and it shows like how that house ran. Uh, nothing was... Uh, there was no boundaries in Brando's house. Uh, that's why I find reading about him so fascinating because I read his biography and I go, wow, weird. <laughs> the fact that they had a maid, okay? The mom was gone all the time, so they had a maid that Brando, the young Brando, had a crush on, of course, and ended up having sex with the maid at a very young age. Uh, he was so sexually advanced at a young age, that he was hitting on young women and sometimes actually succeeding. (laughs) He had confidence as a young man sexually. And that's another aspect of his self-worth and that I didn't understand um, because I'm shy with the opposite sex. I shrivel (laughs) uh, when... I was a teenager. <laughs> Going up to a girl, I couldn't do that. Some other guys had no problem. I did. I I struggled with that. Uh, someone like a Marlon Brando didn't. He felt it was fine. And he felt very comfortable in his skin. And had no problem at all uh, approaching women. Young girls. Good for him. That's another reason why I looked up to him. It's because... I wanted to be like that. <laughs> I wish I could have been like that. Uh, I would have gotten more dates maybe. Um, but I think I'm talking a little bit too much about the childhood thing. But there might be a reason why subconsciously I want to do that with Marlon. Because it explains how he became such a great actor. All of these things that he experienced in his childhood mostly bad, will shape how his talent could come across on the screen or on stage. He could go back there, feel those emotions he had, mostly bad, about his mom being a drunk, sleeping with men she met at the bar. And the kids would have to go find her in the morning uh, at the bar And sometimes when she wasn't at the bar, uh, she was at some guy's house or apartment. And they'd have to go find her and bring her home. And so he would remember that stuff. Um, Although he wanted to tuck it deep down, uh, it was still there within him. And he tapped into it when he was on stage. And those emotions you see from him come from a place of reality. That all that hurt. Plays into his acting. He could go there. Bring that out. And it's truthful. Or maybe he didn't have to do that at all. It was just there within him. And he was able to open that door. In his soul. Whenever uh, he wanted. Hurtful yes. But it gave him a better performance. Although Bud. Faked emotion. In his early life to protect himself. Kevin Spacey did the same thing. Another brilliant actor. They created a protective shell. Both Marlon and Kevin. It's plain is the nose on your face. They did it to save themselves from hurt. Brando had a a way of pushing people that got close to him. He would push them away. Another defensive mechanism. 
He wouldn't let people get too close to him. Or he wouldn't allow himself to get too close to others. Let, I'm going to correct what I just said. Marlon Brando would definitely let people become close to him. He loved that. But you would never see him get close to you. And if he did, it was a fucking mess. You didn't want that. Many women, some men, attempted suicide numerous times just being a part of Brando's life. Look it up. It's true. He would damage them psychologically, emotionally. They would get so close to him. And then he would completely push them away. It was this never-ending game. This game of, you can never know me. And you think you do, but you never will. Brando was so deep with the motion that sometimes in his acting, there probably could have been more, but he wouldn't ever go that deep. Last Tango in Paris is the only film that you can get close enough to see the true Marlon. He had a lot of hurt. But he had a skill. He had talent. And would uh, do class plays in high school. Curtain Raisers. He was vice president. Uh, Curtain Raisers. That was a club in, in school. Acting. You could see his little picture in the yearbook. Standing there. And he looked happy. But was he? No, he wasn't. Nothing could fill the void of not feeling that your parents love you. And although Mrs. Brando showed signs of love, deep down, Marlon resented her for doing what she had done to him and his sisters. Drinking. Being away. Sleeping with strange men. Just being not there. But when she was there. Little Bud adored her. They were very much alike. They shared interest. She was his guiding light. And when her light would turn off. And it never should for a parent. I mean, a parent will have bad days. But that light should always be on for their kid or kids. My light is always on for my kids whenever they need me. Wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You want to talk about something? I'm there. Marlon Brando didn't have that. It was mostly off, sometimes on, with his parents. This is very sad. And Brando's protective shell would get him through a lot. Especially in school. Brando was dyslexic. Um, and he was very self-conscious about that. And the fact that he struggled with classwork. He didn't do well in school. Uh, it was hard for him. He had a hard time concentrating. This will also play into his later life. He wanted to show people that he was smarter than he really was. Brando operated mostly on instinct, not smarts. Now, he read a lot. He did educate himself. Excuse me. But it was his raw instinct that appealed to us. This is the Brando we love. The greatest actor to ever walk on the face of the planet. Marlon Brando Jr. And we're talking about the young life that he had to put up with in the actor's room. Thank you for listening to this show. All you out there supporting me, thank you. Continue to listen. Because the young life 
of this actor was so important, it's glossed over. What did his parents do to him? Why was he the way he was? What really happened to this kid? And I'm going to give you my opinion. It's, uh, I don't know how many people um, would agree with what I'm going to say in a few moments. I wonder if Peter Manso, the writer of Brando's biography called Brando. <laughs> Peter Manso, I should, I should have asked him. Uh, I, I can contact him. Um, he seems like a pretty political guy. Uh, he's got a lot to say. Peter, a lot to say. I wonder how Mr. Manso feels about what I'm about to say. I wonder if he agrees with me. He didn't come right out and say it in the book, but he sort of made mention of it. um, That I believe Marlon was... uh, It's hard to say because I don't know if it's true. I'm just going to say that I think young Marlon and his mother were uh, intimate. Okay. How much? I don't know. I can't say. But there was definitely something there. Unethical, wrong, and uh, just not right. I got that feeling uh, from my research. All the reading up I've done on Marlon, uh, and of course Peter's book was the biggest influence, but other things too. Make me conclude. And this is just me. Okay. Um, I don't have any factual evidence. To just lay on the table and say. "Uh, This is why I believe that. And I can't. But. My gut. Which is. Right a lot. I I don't want to brag. I'm not that guy. I don't do that. I mean, I, when I go with my gut most of the time, I, 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 I'm rarely let down. And I just get the feeling uh, that Dodie, Mrs. Brando, um, was intimate in some way with her son. And I'm not saying they, you know, but there was something going on. <clears throat> this will... Really, uh, <laughs> it would really mess with um, a young man. Uh, and, and, and his life after that is confusing. Um, and of course, Marlon isn't the only young man, boy, that has been hurt in that way. Um, he's not the only one. But this will maybe... Make you understand why Marlon would do things in the future uh, with relationships with women, relationships with men, um, both sexes, um, would just be a mess. Uh, Beyond all, like the things that we'll talk about are things that you go, Dad should be in a movie. They should make a movie about this, and. That's why I think a Marlon Brando movie, a real movie, I mean, no holds barred. Don't beat around the bush. Just do a Brando film. Would be one of the most interesting films ever (laughs) about uh, a real person, okay, that made it and all that stuff. Because the stories are just unbelievable. Unbelievable that we'll get into. This guy did things that a uh, hundred people couldn't imagine in, in their lifetimes. And he did in his 80 year life span. He did all of these things, accomplished, uh, experienced. He was with Marilyn Monroe. He had dinners with John F. Kennedy. James Dean 
looked up to Marlon Brando. James Dean, who the other day I was listening to the radio and he was in like four songs I listened to on the radio, like in one day. (laughs) James Dean looked up to Brando, for Christ's sake. That's who we're talking about here. And how messed up his young life was. And how it will make him be who he became. So important. I babbled a bit, but that's okay. It's my show. (laughs) In the actor's room. And this is my 100th episode. Couldn't say 100th. Is that a hard word to say for you two? I, I have a hard time saying it. Try it. Hundredth. It's hard to say. Thousandth. Not as hard. Hundredth. Go ahead, try it. Right? It's hard to say. I should be drunk right now doing this episode. I should have a a glass of wine right here. Instead of water, I should have wine or beer. It's a celebration. 100 episode. The first part of the Brando Redux. Talking about his childhood. Wow. Did Mrs. Brando do some weird things with her son? I think she did. And this will do damage to any child. Any child. Let alone a child with weird parents anyway. Poor kid. (laughs) But hey, it all can't be leave it to Beaver. Okay. And uh, he's not the only one that grew up in a weird household. Okay. Other kids grew up in probably even more fucked up situations, of course. Okay. That you read in books that these serial killers become, right? <laughs> but um, let's get into a few interesting stories. Okay. About the young Brando. He get in trouble a lot. In school. Because he didn't give a shit. If he fucked up in school. Okay. Like his mom. Number one. She didn't care. They'd have conferences. And she wouldn't show up. She had better things to do. I mean they had to. uh, Make sure. They could get her. (laughs) At certain times. Because eventually. Okay. You got to talk to the parents. Your son, he's not good in school. He's throwing things. He would write shit on the board with shit. (laughs) He just didn't write shit on the board. He would uh, smear shit as he wrote shit on the board. You know, doing the stupid stuff like spitballs, things like that. Brandon would walk into class, and I'm talking grade school, folks. He walked into class with the scowl. You knew something was going on inside this kid. He'd come to school pissed. Pissed about God knows what. What the hell he saw when he was a kid. Uh, the, the nights. The drunken nights of his parents screaming at one another. Neighbors said they would hear those two. Dodie and... And Marlon Sr. Screaming at the top of their lungs. At one another. On a pretty regular basis. At the height of their drunkenness. In the middle of the night. And you got these three kids. Hearing this. Probably ripping their hair out. Just. Mom and dad. Shut up. Look what you're doing to us. Our family is a mess. And Bud would. Take it out on his teachers. <laughs> okay. And not caring at all about schoolwork. Not really. Um, and just doing bad things. Uh, he told the teacher that uh, he forgot something and wanted to go get it. And I think the thing was his glasses or uh, a pencil. So the teacher said, fine. Go get it. And this was in the beginning of the class. <laughs> like the beginning of the day. And uh, 
Bud got up and went out the door, and they didn't see him for the rest of the day. When he came back the next day, the teacher's like, Bud, where were you? I told you it was okay to get your thing, but you never came back. (laughs) And Bud said, well, you didn't ask me where it was. It was at home. So I went home and got it. This is the type of bullshit that the teachers had to put up with. Uh, He became unruly, not only at school, but at home. A tyrant picking on his sisters, picking on everybody. If his older sisters brought a boy home, their boyfriend, he would ridicule the boyfriend to no end, making fun of him. Brando was an observer. He observed behavior. Even at a young age, he would sit back and he would observe you in sort of a disturbing way. He'd stare at you. He wouldn't say a word. He'd pick a chair, sit in it, and stare at you. And I'm not talking about for a few moments. He would stare at them for a significant amount of time. Creepy. He was learning about behavior. What makes other people tick? Seeing what they do. Brando would notice that uh, boyfriend number one would rub his nose a lot. And had a freckle, a big freckle on his cheek. Or he walked kind of funny. He didn't have nice shoes. Whatever it was. Brando would see that. Put in his head. And then when they were sitting around the dinner table eating together. And his older sister has the boyfriend there. He would make everybody feel uncomfortable at the table. By pointing out the boyfriend's discrepancies. Did you see the way uh, John uh, always does this with his nose? And he mentioned the freckle. Because he knew that the freckle was like a mole. And it made the boyfriend very uneasy. Brando loved to do that. To pick at you. To get a reaction. To feel. And feeling something was enough. But he got a kick out of destroying others. Breaking them down. And seeing how they react to it. And Brando got something from that as well. He would take all that in. And not give much back. He was a selfish person. Marlon Brando was selfish. He wanted it all. He wasn't getting love at home. No respect from his father. The son of a bitch. Not enough love from his mother, except for other things. (laughs) Of course, that's my opinion. Folks, that's not fact. My opinion. I think it's true. (laughs) I do. And Peter Manso mentioned it in his book, The Biography, doing a lot of research. There were some weird things going on in that house. In Nebraska and Illinois. Young Marlin. Growing up. Trying to figure things out. And in the meantime. Trying to stay sane in his world. He's a good looking guy. Good looking kid. He can use that. Plus he would take out all of his. Energy. Into sex. He would. Fuck. Almost anything. And everything. Not animals. (laughs) Talking people. Okay, He didn't go that far. I can't believe that he had a dick when he died. I'm sure it was just like this thing. (laughs) I don't know. He had so many STDs and stuff. Like, I don't know. A lot of just, he had to have. How he didn't catch a, a deathly, a deadly one, deathly. A deadly one, I don't know. He got lucky. Because the guy... I was on top of everything. And uh, he used sex. Not only to just dominate a woman. But it felt good. Hey. Right? <laughs> and it was something he was good at. By the way. Uh, wooing. A girl. A woman. He had a way. 
of making them feel like they were the only precious little flowers on the planet. Just them. He'd make them feel that. Be tender with them. Uh, He wasn't rough or tough with pursuing that. Getting them in bed. (laughs) He made them feel like the most important person in the world. Being gentle. Just uh, playing the game. Played it great. And then he'd leave. He wouldn't talk to them. And they were left. What's going on? He made me feel so wonderful. I, I need that again. Okay. And he was so confident in his sexuality. Dripping with confidence. And women love that. That confidence. They don't want some nerd. Right. The nerds they have no confidence. Because they may not be as good looking. They want the good looking confident guy. And that's what Brando was. And he'd leave alone. They'd be wondering, oh my God, where is he? <laughs> Weeks would go by and then he'd poke his head up again. Out of nowhere. He'd touch him, right? Hey, remember me? And of course they did. <laughs> and then he would get involved again, right? Some guys do this. And once again, they're the most precious flowers again, right? They wilted a few weeks. And then he poured water on them again. Oh, the game. And then he leave them again. It was like a web. And he did this with um, friends as well. Um, sort of making all... He had a, a web of people. Especially when he became famous. Uh, people that... Each one of them had a purpose. Okay, This one made me laugh. This one I can talk philosophy with. This one I could uh, go to the store with. Uh, this one I can talk about sex with. And this one I could talk about death with. And this one I can fuck on Mondays. I'm not kidding. He had... Like, there were people in his life that had a purpose and meaning. Uh, that, that fulfilled something within him. And if he felt he didn't need them at a certain time, he didn't need them. This is superficial. Uh, This is somebody that is deep-rooted with confidence that's very low. We're talking about uh, shallow. This is shallow. And one thing that we're going to get into later is that although Brando was very shallow in his personal life, and we'll get into other shit as well about that. Uh, he wasn't shallow about causes. American Indians, for example, right? And other things too. He went gung-ho about that stuff. That meant a lot to Marlon Brando, the causes. Uh, knowing Martin Luther King, going on marches, protesting, all that stuff. Brando did, and he did it with his heart. Along the same lines is his acting. Doing it with heart. Not all the time. (laughs) He had some roles and projects that he just didn't give a shit. But he did with causes. With relationships. As messed up as they were. They couldn't compare to his passion. For uh, people being wronged. Okay, The little guy. The minority. That meant a lot to him. Uh, And I didn't touch on that at all. In my first episodes about Marlon. You get to see the levels of interest for me with Marlon. Um, I don't know how many parts this is going to be. It might be a lot. It might be five. It might be two. Probably three. (laughs) Oh yeah, my number's all over the place. The way the brain works and everything... When you think about like your brain, how it works, how things just pop in sometimes. Um, and maybe one of the reasons why we love acting so much. Those of you who listen to the show probably love acting. 
And that's because you're seeing new thought, a new idea, entertainment. You go to watch a new show, and it's cool because you don't know what's going to happen next. It's a surprise. And things just happen because they do. The story happens. That moment happens. Reactions happen. And you're feeling something happen. And that little firework goes off inside. Marlon Brando loved the little fireworks going off in him. With getting reactions off of people. Seeing how they felt about what he did. Something as simple as him staring at you. For, uh, who knows, 30 minutes, an hour, that'll get to you. This kid won't stop looking at me. What's he doing? What, what does he want from me? <laughs> He's creeping me out. He'd do it at school, too. He'd watch his fellow classmates, women, men, walking around the neighborhood. It's weird, but he was learning about behavior, human behavior. He watched your every move. He listened to your dialect. He would notice your pauses between sentences and make note of that. What does that mean? Why did John pause there between the and bus? (laughs) There has to be a meaning behind that. And he'd think about it. Why does Susan walk that way to church, but walk differently to the bank? Hmm, interesting. There's, there is meaning behind everything you do. Every single moment of every single day. And Marlon Brando made a point in his young life and later life. To almost dissect every moment that he felt necessary. And get something from it. And in doing so, he was able to figure you out. uh, Something that is almost like a super power. (laughs) A a superhero thing. Where someone can walk into the room. And if Marlon was there. Within a very short period of time... He knew where your weaknesses were. Uh, what exactly he could do to make you cry, maybe. Or uh, he... I think one great example is that someone said that when he went to a party, Marlon Brando could look out at about 200 people and find the most vulnerable person in the room. Like he knew... Who was so sensitive, just like him. Uh, He could see himself. And go, you're like me. I hurt too. I will never let you see that hurt. But I know where you're going. I know how you feel. I see through you. He was a master of just behavior. And seeing that. X-ray vision. He could see your soul. Kind of weird. And is it just because he was so observant? Or was it other shit? This is something that I haven't done extensive research on. Because I know his family and his mom's side read up on some very progressive, you know, books, religions, okay? And uh, this stuff was going on with a young Brando in tow. His grandmother was into some uh, racy stuff. Questionable things. How much of it seeped into young Marlon? And did that side of the family sort of have that skill anyway? And worked at it? I mean, that's a skill. If you're able to just Pretty much undress people with your eyes. 
Marlon Brando could make you feel like you had no clothes on. That's what people said. He would get into your head. Get under your skin. How did he do that? How could he stay so calm and confident and knowing all about you that he could make you freaking feel like you were naked, that he saw everything? And that does something not only to Marlon, who's getting all this stuff from you. When you strip away somebody like that, they're showing you everything. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then what it's doing to you, it's just almost destroying you. And we'll get more into that. This is what I'm talking about. Acting, art, film. This is an art form. That is quite interesting because once you start dissecting this art form, you start opening doors, doors that lead to rooms that people on the outside of this house maybe want to know about. But let me tell you something, folks, you don't want to go into Marlon Brando went through doors in his life that I think He may not have wanted to walk into. Now some of these doors. Of course. uh, Were not. Especially when he was younger. Were not. Of his choosing. He was sort of pushed into. Or yanked into these doors. Kicking and screaming. But there are other doors. That he. I think. (laughs) Wished he never walked into. Not into. Through. He didn't whack himself in the head. He opened the door. Walked in and had experiences. That were. Damaging. Heart wrenching. And although made him grow as a person. In advance in ways. Of art. That made his performances amazing. But they also. Degraded. His soul. His life force. And it's sad. This is deep stuff. And I'm glad I'm talking about this stuff now. Instead of just talking about an actor for an hour. And just brush over uh, certain things. In their life. Oh they went to this high school. And they had this girlfriend. And then they did this uh, uh, a theater production. And before you knew it. He won an Oscar five years later, and that's wonderful. Uh, Thanks for listening to the show, and have a great day. (laughs) Let's dive deep. We're doing it with Marlon Brando. This is going to be fascinating. I know you're thinking, what the hell is this guy talking about? Doors. Is he talking about Jim Morrison? Interesting. Little lead in there. Why do you think they call that band The Doors? You ever think about that? Not just the fucking door in your house. That's what I thought it was. I'm like, that is the stupidest band name I ever heard in my life when I was a kid. I'm like, the doors? <laughs> like, how, how creative is that? That they came up, you know, in my head when I was a kid. I'm like, I'm thinking of like the the bedroom door. Like, why would you call yourself the doors? That's stupid. Doors of perception. Of course, I didn't know about this stuff when I was a kid. But other doors as well. Okay. And we'll talk about these doors. In future episodes. Concerning. Mr. Marlon Brando. And also. Generally. The big stars. And some other stars. In Hollywood. Right. These big stars. What doors did they walk through? Huh? And I told you last week, we're going to talk about that stuff too, damn it. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about that stuff. It exists. And there are people in the business today (laughs) that have also walked through doors. Dirty, dirty 
doors. And then you think to yourself, why are they so big? Why are they stars? What did they do? Were they lucky? Maybe. Right? Knew the right people? Yeah, that helps. Does. Sometimes, I hate to say it, man, but I think there's uh, quite a lot of dirt on a lot of these people that we admire. And do you think they give two shits about you? (laughs) Some of them might. Some of them might. It's just a fascinating profession. Right, Because these stars Depend so much on you Think about that Their paychecks The fucking houses they're living in The kind of jets They fly in, right? Their private jets Okay, These big stars I mean, yeah They're there in their nice big houses Because of their talent Sure Do you know how many people have talent? A lot But they're living in those houses, flying in those planes, and going on those vacations because of you. Yeah, you. You pay the tickets to go to the theater. You buy those uh, subscriptions to Netflix, Hulu, HBO. You buy DVDs of movies you love. And you're just one person that likes movies. Think of all other Millions and billions of people, too. If it wasn't for us, uh, they wouldn't be living in those houses. They depend on their audience. But the one thing that we do get, and I'm being a little, you know, I'm being like that today. (laughs) But this stuff is true. But what we get is entertainment. That's what I get. And I also get that feeling. That Marlon Brando gave to me way back in the day. They still feel today. I love watching actors. They give me something. So in that respect, I don't need these actors to know me. I don't need them to say thank you. I guess I'm getting their talent. And what they give me is happiness. And I hope to give you (laughs) happiness listening to the Actors Room. Thanks again. This was part one of the Brando Redux. We're diving deep into Marlon Brando Jr. I hope you tune in next week because you're going to learn more about this guy. I just touched on a few juicy things. There is so much more juicy stuff to talk about. Whoa, 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 whoa. So sit back, relax, enjoy your day. I hope you had fun today or you will have fun later on. And enjoy the weather, even if it's snowing somewhere. It's beautiful, right? It's fall here. The weather's perfect. And all of you out there getting through this interesting year, hang in there. We'll get there. I hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in next week, part two. God bless you. Have a good one.